Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash jesse to make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash jesse. Trust lost. Did we know about stopping humanization before um, it's entered the market? No. Rot revealed. You got a lot of people right now who are good, honest people in government, and they can't believe what this administration's doing. You are the enemy. I want to know why you were banging on my door with a gun. It's time to blow the whistle. Trust in institutions is everything. That's part of what makes a country a country. If you forget about America, boil it down to a, a tiny tribe, someone's in charge, or at least in charge of overseeing the uh, cattle operation. You've got to trust that person. If you think that person is a hopelessly corrupt liar, you either have to replace him, or so- something has to be done to fix that situation. The tribe can't continue to function. You, have to, you need the cattle. You, as Americans, we have to be able to trust our institutions, and we can't. But how do we do that? Can you do that? Can I do that? No. So what we need, what we're going to talk about tonight, is whistleblowers. Because we have them 
thrilled we have them. We have great ones coming on tonight. We don't have near enough. And here's what I mean by this. I've told you this story before. We're going to rewind. I'm going to tell you it again. The story of Reserve Police Battalion 101. Now, what, what was that? Who were they? They were in the German army in World War II. Now, I need to explain. Everyone in the German army in World War II was not a Nazi, all right? Now, obviously, a bunch were, when you talk about the Einsatzgruppen and the SS types and, and those guys. There, there were a bunch of card-carrying Nazis in there, hating Jews, you know, all the evil stuff. But a bunch of guys in the Ger- just happened to be in the German army or love Germany when Hitler takes over. And, ah, let's go kill everyone. And they're looking around thinking, okay, let's do it. These guys, Reserve Police Battalion 101, well, not only were they not card-carrying Nazis, they weren't even full-time soldiers. Reserve Police Battalion, what was their job? Whenever the front line, tip of the spear types would take over an area, well, they need to go on and take, on, take over other areas. You don't leave your top guys back to guard checkpoints and things like that. So you bring in reservists, guys who are basically civilians with some military training. These are all accountants, lawyers, shop owners, just normal dudes like you. So, so there was a battalion, 500 of them, in Poland. The SS types had moved on. So these, again, just overweight accountants, no big deal, in uniform. And they were told one day that they had to go into this village and they had to execute all the women. It was a Jewish village. They had to take all the men and march them off, slave labor. And then the women and children, they were going to take them out in the forest and shoot them all in the back of the head. Shoot them all in the back of the head. All right, so that's horrible, right? Now, the story goes, they did it. They ended up doing it. They walked in, these normal people, people just like you, people like me, and they committed a crime that you could never imagine doing. I, I could never imagine. Imagine a child, a woman, crying, screaming, begging, mothers holding on to their children. Can you imagine? Women executed as they held on to their babies. Can you even imagine? What kind of a monster do you have to be? So that's the name. The, the moral of the story is people will follow orders, right? People will follow orders. And then they went on after they got done with that village. It messed them up that night. They had nightmares, but eventually they were given orders to do it to another and another and another. By the end of the war, they enjoyed it. But that's not, for me, what has always been the main takeaway. Yes, it's a study of human nature, and we've talked about that a bunch. My part that I always, I always marvel at this part was this. They're given the order, first time, go into that village, kill all those women and children. The commander is torn up by the order. He didn't want to do it, women and children. And he knows his men are not going to want to do it either. So he stands in front of 500 of them, and he tells them, hey, this is optional. Anyone, you won't be punished. Anyone who doesn't want to go into that village and kill women and children, you don't have to, guys. And the story is 10. 10 men of 500 stepped forward and said they didn't want to. And that's the part of the story I always focus on. That's the part of the story that always blows me away because why was it only 10? There are 500 men there. Again, we're not talking about psycho Nazi types. 500 men there. Why wasn't it 500 saying, no, sir, I won't. That's an unlawful order. And in fact, you better be real careful giving me that order again, sir. There was nothing. All right, set set aside 500. Okay, you're always going to be some sheep. We couldn't get 200? 300? 
half. I mean, we couldn't couldn't get anything. We couldn't get couldn't get ten percent. Ten men in five hundred. I think about this a lot. I think about it a lot when it comes to what we're facing today, because we have these institutions who are utterly destroyed. I mean, they're destroyed. You hate them now. You don't trust them. We don't. We don't trust them at all. CDC, FBI, all of them. We don't trust them. And I think about the people who are on the inside. Not one or two, one or two hundred. Why aren't they saying something? I want to give credit to Maze Moore, who always does great work, put together this little montage. Do you remember what these monsters did to us during COVID? Where has been the backlash? But there are a lot of indications right now that uh, are telling us that there is uh, uh, a protection against uh, transmission of the disease. There is no variant that we have identified that escapes the protection of our vaccine. Yes, COVID to come now with a treatment of 90% effectiveness, you know, personally makes me a lot very proud about uh, it. And we know that um, the, three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. The three doses with a booster, they offer reasonable protection against... It is necessary a fourth boost right now. The, the protection that you are getting from the third, it is uh, good enough actually quite good for hospitalizations and deaths is not that good against infections but doesn't last very long where are the people from within pfizer from within the cdc from within the fda where are they coming forward because what you just witnessed there that's a crime that's fraud you don't get to stand up and say, hey, great news, guys. All you have to do is take my little snake oil pill and you won't get a cold. You won't get a cold. Six months later, you're going to get a cold, but it won't be bad. I swear. Six months later, hey, you're going to get a cold. It might be bad if you don't take two pills. Gather up, line up for number two. That's a crime. Where are the people? Where are all the people from within stepping forward? I want to know. Andrew Huff, who's going to be joining us a little later, to his credit, stepping forward. The reason why I came forward is that I think everyone needed to, to know the truth. Uh, this, this unfortunate event will repeat, in history will repeat itself unless we take actions to prevent it from happening again. And if we lie to ourselves about what happened, it will uh, get, it'll happen again. If we do not hold those accountable that made the mistakes, this will happen again. And the world deserves to have the truth. The world deserves to have these people held accountable. They do. Where are all the men to step forward? I'm glad he is. I'm glad we have some tonight. I'm glad we have Kyle Serafin on the show tonight with the FBI, with what's happening at the FBI. This is one of the things that just, I marvel at it. I marvel at watching this organization become the Cheka in front of our eyes. They're becoming the KGB in front of our eyes. And I'm always told about all the great men and women on the ground. They're great men and women. Why do we have so few coming forward? And it's why I praise guys like Kyle for being bold enough to step up and speak up and talk about things like this. The FBI has bought in 100% to the hype of January 6th. They've said it's the biggest investigation they've ever done, bigger than 
To me, yeah. that's incredible. You said that. And I had friends that were going to go down there. Current agents, active duty, you know, guys that were carrying the badge and the gun, they were going to go down to the rallies and for just logistical reasons didn't make it. They were able to retire safely probably just because of that mishap because otherwise they would have been under investigation as far as I could tell. And I know that there are friends in my group- Even though they were exercising got, their First Amendment right. I know two guys that have been suspended without pay, wow. their security clearance revoked for showing up to listen to the President of the United no States No criminal speak. activity whatsoever. None. And the allegation is absurd that they were in, in, engaging in some sort of like um, obstruction of the uh, federal proceeding. Why aren't there 10,000 Kyles with FBI badges coming forward saying this is what's happening? It's happening right now. Once again, there are 500 men there and 10 are stepping forward. Well, you know what happens at the end of that? Every woman and children in the village still dies because it was 10 instead of two or 300 or 500. So we are going to honor and hear from the whistleblowers tonight. You ready for that? Kyle, that one guy you just saw right there, he joins us next. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country, giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. intelligence community they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you so even for a practical supposedly hard-nosed businessman he's being really dumb to do this what do you think the intelligence community would do if they were I don't know to? but I from what I am told they are very upset with how he has treated them and talked about them that doesn't sound very good does it Joining me now, one of the real heroes out there, and I genuinely mean this, I don't say that much, Kyle Serafin, he is an FBI whistleblower, and man, I wish we had about 10 to 20 more thousand just like this guy exposing what's going on. Kyle, before we get into you and your risks and why you stepped away, maybe as someone who's been on the inside, you can explain what are these six ways from Sunday the FBI can get back at you? Well, I think we've seen some of them, and I don't know exactly what Senator Schumer was was referencing because he's uh, an independent human being and I'm not inside of his head. But, uh, you know, we've seen some of the things that have gone on when it comes to the uh, pro-life activists. We've seen, um, you know, members of uh, Trump's circle, whether it be in or, or outer, um, taking the brunt of, of FBI search warrants. And so we can all speculate on what it is. Like I said, I'm not part of any of those cases, so there may be really good probable cause that, that justifies it, but the optics are terrible. Okay, Kyle, tell us who you are, background about yourself, what's your current role? Sure, my name is Kyle Serafin. I am an indefinitely suspended FBI agent. Uh, I did about six years with the FBI on the payroll. On um, June 1st of this year, I was suspended indefinitely when they pulled my clearance. And um, I'm a father of three. That's the first most important thing. I'm a confirmed Catholic. Uh, I'm a husband. And so, you know, I'm a husband and father first, a citizen second, FBI agent, district third, and probably not for much longer, I imagine. 
What'd you do to get suspended? You stealing paper clips from the office or something? It was even worse than that. I was uh, standing up for the Second Amendment, which I think is probably a, a death knell in this current administration. I was uh, out in the desert in New Mexico where there's uh, a lot of open and public land. I was actually on private land adjacent to the federal government's hundreds of thousands of acres of, um, of national monument space. So then I was doing some shooting training. I had a, a local cop join. He was self-dispatched. He came out to talk to me. We had about a three and a half minute interaction that was all captured on body camera. And uh, he went away, and the first thing he said when he got back on his radio was 10-8, no report, which tells us that it was exactly what it was. He, he led the conversation by saying he didn't know if we were in the city or the county or whether or not he had any jurisdiction over what was going on and told me he didn't know the state law governing our interaction as well. So I politely kind of schooled him up a little bit and told him I was going to continue doing what I was doing. I was 900 yards away from the outer building of a, uh, of a high school that was well off in the other direction. And so that was the only thing we really discussed that was of substance, but uh, under state law, it didn't matter. And uh, I was accused of being impolite or unprofessional to a police officer. And so I was removed from my, uh, from my office for that. <laughs> All right. You knew the risks of speaking out after you were suspended, yet you're speaking out anyway. Why? Um, I think I'm speaking out because I watched a lot of things go wrong in a lot of different places. And I know that, that the most common conversation that that any two FBI agents are going to have when they sit down or any three over a beer or a whiskey or whatever it may be is going to be about what's wrong with the bureau. How do we fix it? And none of that ever gets public. There's a lack of transparency and there's a belief that everybody in the bureau is uh, in lockstep with what's going on in the bureau. And, and it's done like that for by design. I mean, that's the way that the FBI sort of uh, indoctrinates people because the consequences for speaking out are that you lose your paycheck, you lose the pension, you lose the medical benefits, you're out there on your own. And then you also have to contend with the force of the federal government, which may or not operate in a, uh, an honest or judicious way against you. And so those are serious consequences. Most people don't wanna face those things down. And, um, you know, I was in a position where I got backed up against the wall between the, uh, the COVID mandates and seeing what they had done uh, with the memo about the uh, threat tags that were coming out. And they were gonna look into parents at school board meetings. And I followed too many pieces of news. I, I watched what happened in 2020 and 2021. And um, by the end of 2021, that was the end of it for me. Like I wasn't gonna hear any more of it. And they walked me out in 2022. Um, the first thing that I thought of was this story needs to be public. And it's, I, I'm probably never gonna work for the FBI again. That's what my attorneys told me. They said under no circumstances, they're gonna let you out. So what you do next is up to you. Um, and they, they sort of advised against doing this because they thought that it would just be personally very difficult for me. And I've had members of Congress, staffers come and say the same thing. They were concerned for me, um, but they were happy that I did it. Okay, what are these conversations you and another FBI agent or two would have over a glass of whiskey on a Friday night that we don't ever get to hear? What do they say? So a lot of people talk about how the FBI, uh, they really lost focus and um, they lost focus after 9-11. So I, I think the Bureau got the wrong message. This is the thing that I've heard continuously. I've heard people tell me that the FBI getting the domestic intelligence mission after 9-11 was like a dog chasing a car and finally catching up with the hubcaps and then trying to figure out what to do with this car. Um, there was not a great plan and it's very difficult to imagine having an excellent uh, law enforcement and intelligence agency in one, at least one that obeys the constitution, is it's always gonna run up against a lot of problems because the purpose of intelligence is for information. The cycle is about information. It feeds in information and it puts out other information that's been analyzed. 
Um, that is not what criminal investigations are about. They're about determining who has been involved in federal crimes and then prosecuting them through an adversarial process, giving them their say in court. You know, there's a, an entire you know, linear progression of this. But when you look at intelligence, it's a circular, it's a circular diagram. And so that's the discussion that most of us would have, you know, how did it, how did it die? When did it die? You know, is it, is it fatal? Can it be recovered? And is there a way that we can uphold the oath and still do some of the things that are being asked of us and what those lines look like? You know, most people try to figure out what that red line is they're not going to cross. Okay. Can it be saved? It doesn't look, look, I'm on the outside. You're on the inside. From the outside sure. to me, it does not look like an organization that can be salvaged. That doesn't mean there aren't great people, but if all the, if all the leadership at the top is crap, then it doesn't do me any good because there are good field agents. Can it be saved? Um, it's a question that I don't know that I can answer definitively. I know a lot of people should be weighing in. I'd like to know what the retired agents that had two decades and sometimes three decades to consider it, what they have to say about it, because they're going to be the ones who are in really good position. What I'll say is this from my position, and I'm actually more on the outside now, just like you, um, although I have many friends who are in, I think the path is very, very narrow and it continues to narrow as time goes on. It just, it just has to be done correctly. There has to be significant oversight. We need to really have the Bureau prioritize the uh, protection of constitutional rights of the American citizens. And that means on both sides of the aisle. Uh, you know, I've never registered for a political party until very, very recently, like just a couple of months ago was the first time I ever registered in um, what, about 22 years that I've been a voter. And so I just, I, I don't feel strongly about any of the parties doing it right. I think they need to. That's their that's their obligation. I think both of them it should be bipartisan, and everybody should want a clean and an apolitical FBI. And I know that's what all the retired folks think, and I know that's what most of the people who work within the bureau think as well. Okay, the leadership of the FBI. We're talking about the 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 bad guys at this point in time. Not all of them, obviously, but the ones who are the ones you see on TV all the time. They don't appear, they're not conducting themselves as if they're nervous in any way about any coming oversight. That's one of the things that floors me. They'll do something outrageous, like school board parents, what they did. And there's all this outrage, and they don't miss a beat. Next day, they're kicking in the door of some guy who was reading Bible verses at, a, at an abortion clinic. They don't miss a beat. They just keep going and going and going and going. Do they see themselves as being significantly more powerful than Congress? Because that's how they act. Uh, from this one, I'm looking from the outside as well, and, and I agree with you. The optics of it are absolutely catastrophic. Um, the minute that something comes up and then you see that, that it looks like they're hitting the gas pedal when they should be hitting the brakes, that there should be a, um, a moment of pause and, and maybe consider, hey, how does this look? It looks like we're acting in a partisan way if that's what we, you know, if we're not doing that, we got to kind of realign uh, the priorities and maybe push some of these things back. Um, I, I tend to agree. I, I just, I don't understand how people could operate like that without thinking there's gonna be some oversight. Um, we, we we talk about uh, abortion clinics and, and enforcement of the FACE Act, which is 18 USC 248. And you know, I, I read it pretty frequently. I have a bunch of times over the last week or two, and there's two halves to the FACE Act. That statute actually includes, you know, the same penalties and the same issues for people that are blocking access to a church or a place of religious worship in violation of the First Amendment. And so there, there's another side of it, but we're not seeing anybody that was in San Francisco blocking the uh, the Catholic churches there or marching in through and interrupting mass. 
which I did see the videos of, and I don't see those people getting federal cases brought against them. Maybe they will in two years, but that's really not the way that it's looking in a good way for the Bureau. It looks terrible. Uh, what an ugly bit of business. Kyle, thanks. thank you for what you're doing, man. Keep, please keep going. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time, Jesse. Be good. We'll be back. During the Ebola outbreak, there was about an 8 to 10 percent drop in the market. It then quickly recovered. I wanted to give you good news. You can, there are winners out there, right? So if you're looking at, if you want to be prepared and make money in the next pandemic, if that's what you want to do, buy stock in hazmat suit makers and protective clothing or, vi- or companies that make antiviral drugs of that particular pandemic. You'll probably do pretty well. There are actually uh, mutual funds for pandemic preparedness. There's an opportunity for people to have political gain, financial gain, and personal gain during times of social upheaval, and that will probably occur. Hmm. Just glad that kind of thing can't happen here. Joining me now, Thomas Rents. He's a whistleblower and whistleblower attorney. Thomas, you were suing the gentleman in that video, Dr. Ralph Barris. Why? Well, uh, Dr. Barrick is listed as one of the defendants on the complaint, along with Equal Health Alliance and several others. So we have uh, a lot of evidence, and including firsthand witness te- testimony, and we're alleging that he, with Equal Health Alliance, were, was responsible for creating SARS-CoV-2 in the lab in Wuhan, China, which then subsequently got out and made a whole bunch of people really sick or killed them. Okay, who is this guy? Why is he in China creating super viruses, or at least allegedly? Well, uh, so Ralph Barrick is apparently a very bright scientist. Uh, he's, uh, he's quite capable in the field of, of genetic kind of engineering, I guess, I, I, for lack of a better term. He's good at gain-of-function work. He knows how to splice viruses and genes together and things like that. And he does a real good job at it. Well, he was recruited and was working with and in conjunction with Eco Health Alliance on uh, the project that was funded by Fauci, where they were doing the gain-of-function work that our, uh, our whistleblower uh, has, has said was responsible for the gain of uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus creation. So uh, according to Dr. Andrew Huff, who we're also working with, and I'm, I'm helping, he, uh, he said that during his tenure at EcoHealth Alliance, they did create this virus in the lab in Wuhan, China, under the, you know, that Ralph Barrick was involved uh, and that, you know, it, it subsequently got out. Okay, why would they be there creating a deadly virus? I still can't have anybody give me a decent explanation on this gain-of-function research stuff. What, what, if you have the ability to, do, to create a superbug, why are you doing it? Well, I mean, the University of Boston would be a great one to ask that question. I mean, I don't know if you saw the reports that they just uh, created a hybrid of SARS-CoV-2 that's even more dangerous. But, uh, you know, the thing about this is, is this is a fundamental question that a lot of people are asking. Why would you do this? Why would you take a disease and make it more dangerous? 
Now, the justification that they give is that, well, you know, if we can predict how, how a disease might evolve by experimenting and seeing which one works, then maybe we can uh, develop a cure ahead of time. But the reality is, is that we're essentially trying to predict evolution. And that's, that's really impossible. I mean, evolution is something that occurs. Uh, and mind you, you know, I don't want to get into the whole, you know, did we come from monkeys evolution, but we know that viruses evolve. We know that there's an evolution, uh, you know, that, that occurs in viruses and bacteria and things like that. That, that evolution occurs very quickly uh, and very consistently, which is why we have so many different strains of SARS-CoV-2. But the theory is, is that if you can predict it, you'll be able to, you know, cut it off at the pass with some sort of an antiviral drug or something of that sort. But the problem is, is if you think about the number of variables, predicting something like this is truly impossible. And what I mean by that is, so you've got a, a virus, which is a whole bunch of chemicals that are put together in nature. Well, how many things could affect that? You know, weather, proximity, who, you know, what, what other chemicals it's near, what other bacteria it's near, what other viruses it's near, what animals it's in. I mean, there's so many things that could affect that. They don't have any idea what they're doing. That's why every year they, you know, they, they develop a few different uh, types of flu, flu vaccines. And, you know, typically there's about a one in 10 shot that they got the right one. I mean, they don't know. They're just guessing. So I don't think there's any good justification for this work. I think a lot of it is just ego and, you know, we can, so we should. Apparently Hunter Biden's somehow involved in this too. Well, what we've alleged in the report, and so there's two parts of this, right? So we've got the lawsuit and we've got the report. The report that we released showed that, that Hunter Biden, uh, you know, who was involved heavily, Rosemont Seneca was his company. They had invested heavily in a company called Metabiota. Metabiota was a partner with EcoHealth Alliance at the time that this, this disease was created, right? So the thing that we got to ask ourselves is, did Hunter Biden actually make money off the creation of SARS-CoV-2? The other thing I think we've got to ask ourselves is, you know, is his presence or tie or relationship to this part of the reason that we're not getting any investigations? I mean, is the president using his power to try and shield his son. It's natural to want to shield your son, but it's, you know, if you're the president of the United States and your son did something that resulted or profited off of something that created, that ended up with 6 million dead people, uh, you know, listen, I think we need to do an investigation. Okay. The whistleblower process. Whistleblower comes forward. What is the process? Well, it depends. Okay, so I've got whistleblowers that have came forward from about every walk of life you can imagine. And it really depends a lot on the desire for the whistleblower, right? Uh, if it's a military whistleblower and they're simply looking for protection and to, to let someone know, well, then there's laws that, that they can leverage to get that protection. Uh, same for corporate whistleblowers. Uh, depending on the state that they're in, there may be whistleblower laws uh, that, that would be eligible, you know, to protect on a state level. It just really depends. Some whistleblowers come forward and their goal is to get the story out as far and wide as possible, and they don't really care about anything else. Others want to, you know, get it to the right people with hopes that there'll be some sort of prosecution or something like that. 
So when someone comes to me and says, listen, I, I've got this information, I wanna get it out. The first thing we do is we spend an extensive amount of time verifying it because I get people that say that every day. Like I get more people that tell me they wanna blow whistles on everything you can imagine than, than you, know, you can even fathom. So they come forward, okay, well, what do you wanna do and what do you got? Once we decide what they wanna do and we look at what they got, then we go through this verification process because before I'm gonna put my name on something, I'm gonna do homework. And we did that with Dr. Huff, right? Yeah, Dr. Huff says, you know, hey, they created SARS-CoV-2 in a lab, I worked there. So we looked at Huff's records, we looked at who he was, we looked at, you know, all of his background. And then in addition to his testimony, we actually produced a report with 130 plus citations that actually corroborated just about everything in his testimony. And so it's not uncommon for us to do that kind of a research project when someone comes forward with a, a really big story. Uh, some whistleblowers have given me uh, data that they've taken off of certain servers where we actually have video of them taking it off to make sure that it's legit. Um, some have, you know, given me documents where we've had to take steps to verify those documents. It just really depends, and the process varies a lot. Thomas, thank you so much. Wishing you the best. Thank you so much. All right. Coming up next, we have a parent speaking out. Remember, we need more and more people speaking out. Hang on. kids going to the queerest Halloween drag show. And this event is sponsored by a business that does gender transition and affirmation procedures and surgeries. Y'all's gonna offer up our kids to these jackals that are sick agenda? Not on our watch. No. No way. You guys are cowards. Two-bit hustlers. Mm -hmm. yeah. I say this because there's no such thing as a trans child. Because there's no right or wrong way to be a boy or a girl, and it's inherently evil and vile suggests a child is born in the wrong body simply because they don't fit into a stereotypical, archaic understanding of boys and girls. Stop saying this is supporting the gay community. The gay community isn't even behind us. You know you can't, you can support the gay community without sending our kids to a 21 over drag show, and you should support them by leaving our kids alone. Amen. <laughs> Sure, you've seen that before. He joins us now. Lou, first of all, you're in California. You have a crappy school board. Welcome to the club. Are you in a red part or blue part of California? For those who don't know, everyone thinks California. Oh, they're just a bunch of liberals out there. California has some of the reddest red pockets of any state in the country. Where are you, Lou? So I'm in North County, San Diego right now. We're primarily red, but our county's blue. Right now, we're currently, we're right on the border, but there are so many conservatives out here and so many people that think conservatively and are trying to push to protect our kids in the schools. 
Lou, why does this happen? I mean, you're on the ground as a parent watching it happen. It seems so insane to normal people like us, really to just most people, it seems so insane. And yet this is one of the things that is pervasive now from the president on down. This is part of our society. Oh, just go and take that kid to the doctor and get something chopped off. So the reason I think this is happening is it's a, they're trying to attack our kids or trying to attack our kids at the base level in the community. These gender reassignment clinics are hopping in. They're trying to promote these kids to come out and support this. You see all kinds of money. Money's coming in from the federal government. Money's coming in from all over the place to support these woke, radical gender ideology in our schools to probably the most at-risk group to be susceptible to this, kindergartner through, through sixth grade, which is around five through 12. Okay. Uh why the kids you said they're going after the kids they clearly are it's on sesame street it's on nick jr it's in the disney movies it's in the school boards there's clearly a focus for the kids that's gross why these these school boards are are touting to this this inclusive this, this word is being used a lot is we're trying to be inclusive we're trying to include the, the gay community they're trying to use the gay community as a gaslight to to usher in this activist pimp mentality where they will try and get our kids and subvert them in a way to try to teach this gender ideology that no sex exists, no gender exists, no no boundaries exist with it. And the parents are fed up. This shouldn't be being taught in our schools. And they're attacking our kids because how else can you control society down the, down the line? If they have a bunch of kids changing their gender, changing their sex, you're gonna have a bunch of kids out there that are confused and that's the next generation. That's what we have to fight for time. Lou, you're creating counter programming, are you? Is there counter programming? Look, I've got kids. I don't want them getting sucked into this filth. What do we do? So right now we're encouraging all parents to try and get out and get to the school boards for one. Speak out, get involved with your kids, talk to your kids and fathers, you have to get engaged. You have to be a powerful, family defender you can't just let these mama bears get out there and do all the work that's great i love the mama bears doing it but fathers you the protector of your families and what we're doing also we're getting together we're activating people how we're teaching them how to do this we have an event called the freedom revival and what that is doing is going to help activate people get them involved in their communities get them involved in kind of voting these people off the school boards these liberal progressive school board members have been on these school boards for 12 16 years and they've run primarily unopposed because people just don't care. They don't get involved in the school board because it's not a Congress, it's not the president. So they don't really think it's important, but we're bringing it back to San Diego right now. We're activating people, we're putting people up against this these, these school board, these dictators, this, with this woke agenda. And we're getting these people out and we're activating them through the Freedom Revival. You're a business owner. You catching any heat for these stances? These are not popular stances today. Yeah, you're right. I'm a, I'm a gym, gym owner in North North County here, San Diego, and I I've had some members cancel uh, cancel their memberships because of my stances on various issues. I've also had members join because of my stances on various issues. Uh, that dates all the way back to the beginning of the pandemic when I reopened my gym despite the lockdowns and I got arrested for it. I had people flock to me in support, and I had people leave me because they felt I was going to create some sort of a 
giant death camp with people coming into the gym to work out, which clearly didn't happen. Everyone's still alive. Yes, as everyone knows, uh, you definitely want to get fatter when you have a disease that attacks fat people. In case you're wondering what Lou's talking about, here's a little video. So I had a member come in, and he had to cancel or freeze his membership because he lost his job because he had not complied with the mandates. Today's the day, October 1st. He didn't have the money for it under a lot of stress. So he can't work out anymore, he said. Not today. I told the man, I called him up said you can work out at this gym as long as you can as long as you want to till you get back on your feet I will freeze your membership and you reactivate it when you want and you know what that goes for anyone else in my gym that's undergoing the same thing or if you're at another gym you can't afford that membership because you lost your job you can cancel your membership there come in my gym I'll put you up in the same program why am I doing this because what kind of man would I be to take a stand on this and not back the very people that are courageous enough to make the choice for freedom over finance. Lou, I'm glad you're out there making stances like that, taking stances like that, especially back when it was hard. Why were there so few of us? There, were, there weren't many. Why? I think people were just afraid. They're afraid to take a stance on it. They're afraid to step up. And there's also the thing is like, well, my voice doesn't really matter. You know, things are going to happen the way they are. With, with COVID, no one wanted to take that stance. No one wanted to be the person. I remember being the first gym owner or first business owner to stand up. I felt so alone. And now we see with this school board, people are like, well, it's not happening in my school board. It's not happening here. I, that won't happen with my kids. But we're seeing it happen across red states. We're happening in Texas. It's happening in Florida. It happened in El Paso just a few days ago with a drag show there. This stuff is coming everywhere, and you can't hide from it. You can't run to another state. If you run to their state and try to hide there, they're going to come. This woke agenda is heavily funded. It's funded by the government. It's funded by private organizations. They're going to come everywhere. It's not just this thing limited to California. Crazy Californians in a blue state out here. It's coming across the country. It's coming everywhere. Lou, appreciate you, man. Absolutely, Jesse. All right, got some final thoughts. Next. I'm grateful for the whistleblowers we have. They should be honored. They are heroes. It is tough to swim against the tide, and they are all doing it. But man, alive, if you're watching me right now and you're considering it, we need you. We are at the precipice in this country. We cannot have this kind of institutional trust lost until the, in, these institutions reform themselves. That trust is only going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. If you are a potential whistleblower right now, please Come forward, all right? Help us save the country. We'll do it again. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB. 
in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country, giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. Mayo served our nation for over seven years before he was catastrophically injured during training. He was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount.